0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 26th of February 2017, entitled How to Keep from Hanging Your Harps Up. And the Bible reading is taken from Psalm 137. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Well, good morning. Man, what a blessing. Um, I really want to thank God for... Brother Dave and Miss Betsy and Nate and Rachel and Hannah and their friendship over the years. Um, you know, y- you get ministered to by people, but really the thing I'm so thankful for about them is they're just... They're, I can call them my friends. That's the biggest thing. And I thank God for them. I thank God for Pastor Larry and Miss Janie and Amber's here. Amen. I like to see her face. And uh, she's in up in Scotland Going to school, but, uh, and all the Curtis family, all 27 of them. And, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, man, over the years, it's felt like there's been about 30 people in that house. It's just incredible how their, their hospitality and how they open themselves up. But, uh, I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am, uh, for the privilege, uh, to have them be my friends. And, uh, Thank God for them. Um, so many preachers come to Bethel. I mean, we got Daniel. Um, how many other preachers here? I know, Bruce, you can raise your hand, Bruce. Amen. Uh, how many other preachers here in, this, in the service? Amen. If you, if God called you, hey, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You don't have to apologize. Amen. Preachers of the gospel. Amen. I love when preachers are in the service. It helps the spirit and the, just the atmosphere of the service. It don't help the offering much, but it does help the spirit of the meeting. (laughs) Amen. But uh, I want you to turn to Psalm 137. Psalm 137, we'll probably read most of the chapter, but I want you to look at a couple things this morning. You know, I was in the Marine Corps uh, for almost a little over seven years. Um, My first duty station was Camp Lejeune. I don't live too far from there now. My daughter lives there. She married a Marine. She didn't learn a thing. I tried to teach her. She went ahead and married a Marine anyway. And I thank God for my son-in-law. He's a patriot. Uh, he was uh, he was wounded in action. Uh, you know, they don't give out silver stars and purple hearts just to anybody. And he has both of them. Uh, kind of funny story. He's got some TBI, uh, which stands for traumatic, traumatic brain injury and Rob I sent him to the store this is before they got married this was pre-marriage I, and and he was coming to our house and you know how it is you're trying to f- trying to you know gather information about one another he's trying to figure me out I'm trying to figure him out you know with my shotgun in my hand and um and and, and I'm trying to figure my future son-in-law out and, and I asked him I said would you do me a favor I wanted to see what he was like as a servant I said I need for you to run to the store for me real quick while I'm cooking the steaks and pick up a cheer wine and a bag of ice simple instructions. He comes back with salt and, 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 and lemons. I'm like, that ain't even close. Um, <laughs> but you know what hit me? Uh, that's one of the things that affected him in, in, in wartime, is he has a difficult time uh, processing things. And, uh, but you know what? He's still training He's medically retired from the military, but he's still doing quasi-military work right out of Washington, D.C., near A.P. Hill. Um, He does uh, special operations. He does training for them. But you know what the great thing about him is? You know what? He could have said, I'm just done with this, and I'm going to quit, but he didn't. He's still involved. He's still a participant. He's not on the sidelines. He's not checked out, if you will. He's still doing what God called him, I believe, to do. And, and, and I want to try to give you a thought this morning that I hope and pray will arrest you and do something in your heart. I hope and pray that what you heard this morning and what I dovetail on the back end of that too, you won't forget. Because you know what's scary is I leave these services sometimes. I leave this conference to come back a year later and many faces that I saw a year ago I don't see today. And some of it's because of work. Maybe some of it's because they've got other obligations. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people that you know today that were serving God a year ago that you can't find them today. In 2006, it's just like it was yesterday, Jamie. 2006, I was preaching this service on Sunday morning packed to capacity, like much like today. And you know... I remember distinctly, Pastor, when we had those those different pews, you know, the ones we used to put together and sleep on. But we had the different pews that were solid, and there was a young lady sitting about where Beth is. And I preached, and I'm telling you, I don't even think her eyes blinked the whole time. She was captivated by what God had to say to her. But you know what? When I got done preaching, she was weeping profusely. After everybody dispersed and went upstairs to eat, she was still sitting in the pew. If I'm not mistaken, her name was Elizabeth. She was from around the London area. She came up with a group from London. Peter, I went to her and I said, young lady, is there something I can pray with you about? What's on your heart? And this is what she said, Gareth. She said, you know what, preacher? She said, I got saved a year ago. She said, my parents have abandoned me. They've basically written me off. They're atheistic. And, I, and by the way, folks, the, the atheists have a holiday. I don't know if you know that or not. It's on the calendar. It's called April Fool's Day. <laughs> the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Amen. But she said, my parents are atheistic. They believe in nothing. How do you sing songs you know, we got songs we can sing to the God that created us. Amen. How great is our God? What what song does an atheist sing? Amen. It's crazy. You know, I was watching that video this past week. It's just crazy to think about that. Dial a prayer for an atheist. You know, you call a little number and nobody answers. Anyway. Um, <laughs> amen. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. But you know what? This girl looked at me and she said this, Peter. She said, I got saved a year ago. My parents have abandoned me. I have no friends at university. No Christian friends. I'm here this week. And I'm afraid when I leave here, I'm going to quit. Because I have nobody to encourage me. But you know what? I think that was the last conference I ever seen her at. Would to God I knew where she lived to go. And to where she lived. The place where she resides. And try to speak words of life into her. And encourage her you know the fact of the matter is, as much as we can try to encourage people, King David said, I had to encourage myself a little. And if you're not careful, young people, you'll be guilty of what David reminded the children of Israel and recounted a story. Look at what he said. Psalm 137 verse 1. Look at what he says. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. And then, Brother Dave, he makes an amazing statement. He says, we hanged our hearts in the willows in the midst thereof. He said, for there, they that carried us away captives required, they required of us a song. Can you see the sarcasm? As the Chaldeans are saying... Let me, hear us. Let me hear one of them good old songs y'all used to sing back in Zion. For there they that carried us away required of us a song, Tenica, Saying, sing us. And, and they that wasted us required of us mirth. Saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. And it's almost like a parenthesis. David says, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Brother Dave, I know you feel like that sometimes when you're up on the hill. How you sing a song like the Lord's song in a strange land? Can I tell you something about my land? <laughs> Do you know in America today, you've got more adult bookstores in America than you now have McDonald's? Who would have ever thought you had to get up in a pulpit and tell somebody in a church that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? You have to fight against theistic evolution. You have to fight against every single adversary when it comes, which we ought to just stand up and thunder forth the truth and say, you know what, this is right and this is wrong. But everything's become comfortably gray. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I know sometimes you young people feel like, you know what, I'm I'm a Brit. I'm in the UK, but man, it feels like a strange place we live now. Amen or oh me? Who would have ever thought, Dave, in America they'd have a a society started out on the west coast or the left coast as we call it called the Coyote League. A group of, listen, a group of prostitutes get together and have a 501c3 status. They have tax-exempt status. They are organized and they, literally, it stands as an acrostic, C-O-Y-O-T-E. It stands for Call Off Your Old-Time Ethics. See, it ain't no good anymore to, like what Brother Dave said, to say marriage is between a man and a woman. I will not go there. But a lot of people these days don't believe that. And they, listen, you know what, you know most of them, you know where they sit? Right where you're sitting on Sunday in a church. Now listen, folks, I'm not sitting here and I'm not crusading for the fact that we need to be mean and bombastic. You know what? I accept everybody. By the way, i got homosexuals that visit my church. And they love me. They even come to my house. And I love them. And I accept them. But I don't have to approve of their lifestyle. Amen? There's a difference between approval and acceptance. I don't, I, that ain't what I want to talk about, though. I want you to look at what the rest of it says. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Look at verse number 6, or verse number 5. If I forget the old Jerusalem, oh man, the city of God. If I forget the old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. In other words, let my right hand, that which plays an instrument, forget her skill. In other words, if I forget who you are, God, I want you to take away my ability to play because if I don't play for you, it don't count for nothing. If I don't remember thee, follow me now, if I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. Isn't that amazing? He said, if I can't praise you, Lord, if I can't speak and I don't remember who you are in my life, just help me to shut up. (laughs) Y'all can tell I'm from northern England with my accent. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem, but my chief joy. Verse 7, remember, O Lord. He said, you know what? It's my duty to remember who you are, God, but Lord, I want you to remember somebody. He says, remember, O Lord, the children of who? Edom. Y'all ought to do a study about the Edomites. You talk about the arch enemy of Israel. He said, Remember, O Lord, the, the, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it. Now we think when we hear raise the roof, we're talking about, you know, raise the roof, raise it, raise it. No, the word R-A-S-E means destroy it, destroy it. This is what they want to do, the city of Israel, city of Jerusalem. And he said, Lord, I want you to remember them. I want you to remember the people trying to destroy our city. We're in captivity. And Lord, how do we sing the Lord's song in this strange land when we're in bondage? Have you ever felt that way? Can somebody say amen when you felt like you're in captivity? I want to read on. Look at it. it. Said, raise it, raise it even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. You know what it's saying? Basically, God's the one who's going to get retribution. God's going to get vindication for what's been done to God's people. And David's trying to, listen, he's trying to let the people know, listen, remember, remember what happened, but understand this, nothing has taken God by surprise. God's still on the throne, and by the way, I know He is because I checked with Him this morning in prayer, and I know He's on the throne, amen? I talked to you this morning. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Go back to verse 2. In verse number 2, look at what he says. He says, we hanged our harps in the willows in the midst thereof. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm, I'm just a country boy. I started reading this thing, and it hit me. It just hit me like a, like a Mack truck, like an articulate lorry. Amen? It hit me like a truck because it's sitting here, Alex and David, saying, look, we were by the rivers of Babylon. We sat down and we wept when we remembered where we used to be. And you know what? I'm just gonna hang my harp in a tree. Say, what's that mean? Most of y'all know this, but David was the chief musician. What did he do? He had skill in playing instruments. You know what he said? He said, I am at the point to where I don't even want to play my harp, I'm gonna put it in a tree, and we're just gonna hang up our instruments. We're not gonna play music no more for Jesus. We're not going to play praises to God anymore. Big walls, why? Because we're in this difficult time, God's sifting us. He's put us through the sea of, amen? And you know what? That young lady that sat about back where you were about 8, 10, 12 years ago, I don't even know where she's at. Now, I hope and pray she's serving God, but you know what? She's never come back to this conference. You say, preacher, what's your point? <laughs> Can I ask you a question? What is it going to take to make you quit? What is it going to take to make you quit? Because I don't want no more casualties. We heard about one this past trip. Unbelievable. Breaks my heart, another casualty. It almost is like when we hear that somebody falls, Panos, we almost go, well, there goes another one. It don't even grieve us much anymore. What is it going to take to make you quit? I want to talk to you this morning, just for a couple minutes, about how to keep from hanging your harps up. How to keep from hanging your harps up, you say, preacher, what your point? You know, when I was in the Marine Corps, my first sergeant, I ran PT behind him for almost three and a half months, and he was transferred to another duty station. For three and a half months, Peter, I ran, because I, I was a fourth squad leader, the first sergeant ran in front of me, there was a guy it ran in front of the first squad, first I would run behind him, and panels. He'd limp like this when he was running. But then he'd run six, eight miles. You'd be back. <laughs> he'd be just kidding. Hey, man, he'd fall out. And he'd call. He'd call a, He'd call a, what they call cadence in the Marine Corps. I am an old Marine. I mean, he'd be just doing it, son. I'm talking. It was awesome. Make you want to just you know do something for Jesus, and I wouldn't even want to save Amen. I wanted to get my rifle and go. I wanted to go. But we were at the E-Club one night, and I asked him, I said, First Sergeant, what happened to your leg that you have a limp? He wouldn't tell me. He said, I got wounded. Well, I know that. What happened? I got wounded. There was a gunny sergeant that came to me, and he said, preacher. He's a preacher. He said, Brian, I wasn't a preacher then. I wasn't even, man, I, I was away from God. He looked at me and he said, Brian, he said, let me tell you something. He said he won't tell you because of the, tra- the, the traumatic experience he had. I don't know if any of y'all ever heard about 1983. It was a place called Beirut. Let me tell you what happened. When they bombed the barracks in Beirut, Lebanon, my first sergeant was in that building. 183 Marines lost their life that day. And let me tell you something, Tinnika. They searched for bodies that were living for three days, sage. Three days they looked for people. They could hardly find anybody after the first day that was alive. On the fourth day, Dave, that they were digging through rubble, they heard something going. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. They said, What in the world is that? They started digging. They got kind of in the central location of where all that noise was coming from. They started pulling. I'm talking concrete that was this thick off of one another and going through rebar. They went four and a half feet under all of this rubble. They found my first sergeant who had rebar through his legs. Inch and a quarter, folks. That big around. Through his legs. And you know what they found him doing when they found him? Four days after the bombing. Four days after they drove a truck in there with suicide bombers. Terrorists! Blew up the barracks in Beirut and killed 183 Marines. Do you know what they found my first sergeant doing? He had his 45 on his chest singing the Marine Corps hymn when they found him. Amen. Now see, that might not mean much to you, but I'm going to tell you right now, that does something for me. Amen. Here's a man who said, you know what? Bless God, I'm going out. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out committed. And I'm not quitting. You know what the sad reality is today? It don't take much for a Christian to quit anymore. Preacher, I just have to tell you something. We're going to leave your church. You don't know how many of these I get. We're going to leave your church. Don't want you to take it personal. By the way, folks, if you ever come to a pastor and say, don't take it personal, but I'm going to leave the church. We all, as pastors, we take everything personal. You might as well take me out and kick me in the teeth than to tell me, don't take it personal. <laughs> amen. Lady came to me and said, We're leaving the church. We've been praying about it. I said, Well, that makes two of us. I've been praying you'd leave too, amen. <laughs> no, I didn't say it. I thought it. I might as well said it. All you do is complain, grip, you know, gripe, bicker, make division. I asked her, I said, why are you leaving the church? She said, well, I just don't feel like we've been fed the way we need to be fed. I said, ma'am, how long have you been saved? 32 years. I said, do you spoon feed your children when they're 32? Do you get out bottles and warm bottles for 32 year old children you got? She said, well, heavens, no. I said, well, why do you expect me to spoon feed you when you're 32 years old in Jesus? I said, you know what? You don't get fed on Sunday morning. You don't get fed on Wednesday night. You come to worship Jesus Christ. What you do is you get fed on Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, in your prayer time and in your devotion to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's when you get fed. She looked at me like a... You know how a dog looks when you whistle real loud? I lost one of them that day. She left. She left. Then, I got, then, then you got these other people say, "You know what? I'm not going to church because it's full of all them hypocrites." Really? You go, you go down here to Aldi or to Costco, and the guy that's ringing up your groceries and checking you out of there is a hypocrite, but it don't stop you from buying all that stuff. I went to Costco with Dave and and, and Nathan and and Pastor the other day and I went in the bathroom and whoever was in there before me offended me but it didn't stop me from using the restroom amen here's the problem we got a lot of people that get offended and by the way folks the Bible says great listen great peace have they which love that law, and nothing 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 shall offend them I'm going to be quite honest with you I struggle with that because sometimes I told y'all Wednesday night, sometimes it's just fun to get angry, ain't it? Just because we have a love-hate relationship with it. Just get angry. You know what the fact of the matter is? Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. What is it going to take to make you quit? Have you hung your heart up? There's a couple things I want you to look at this morning. Number one, I want you to look at verse number three again. How do you keep from hanging your harps up? How do you keep from not quitting? See, because there's some things I believe that you can do in your life that will keep you from quitting. Because listen, I don't want you to be another casualty. Are you looking at me and listening to me? I don't want there to be anybody in this room this morning that's going to be another casualty. Number one, I want you to look at this. There's a requirement. Look at verse three. For there they that carried us away captive, what Requ- re- required of us a what song? David said, "I waited patiently, Panos, upon the Lord. He inclined me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock and established my goings. And He's put a new song in my mouth." Amen. Thank God for Nathan. I appreciate you singing, son. I appreciate you singing with a heart for God. And you know what? God put a new song in your mouth. Amen. Even praise to our God. Many shall see it, fear, and trust in the Lord. You want to know why people get saved? It's because they see the joy of the Lord on your face when you sing songs. Somebody told me one time, they said, preacher, I love the Lord. I said, well, inform your face. Your face ain't matching what you're saying. Amen. I listen, I want people to be happy. Mary Hart does good like a medicine, amen? Boy, it'll do what paracetamol won't do for you, amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And there is a requirement. Are you listening to me say amen? There's a requirement if you're going You know what the Lord requires? If we're not going to hang our hearts up, number one, Brother Daniel, there's a requirement. You know what it is? Sing when you don't feel like singing. Praise Him when you don't feel like praising Him. They, listen, there they carried, that carried us away captive, required of us a song saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. You know what? The fact of the matter is, is we need to sing and we don't even feel like singing. It's easy to praise God on the mountaintop. If you're only going to serve God up there and not down here, you're going to be a shallow Christian. You can go ahead and say amen right there. If you don't learn listen, if you don't learn real quick that the sifting process takes this takes place, and this is what's amazing, it just hit me this morning. Christians are really like manure. (laughs) Have you ever thought about this? Christians are like manure, Brother Dave. You say, preacher, come on now. We ain't just a, a pile of mess here. No, but think about it. When Christians do stay gathered up and don't disperse, you know what happens? They begin to stink. But when you broadcast them out, oh, like over a field, you know what it does? It helps the crops grow. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what? God never called us to sit here and be preserved like a refrigerator. He called this place to be an incubator that would produce new life to go out and, and reach others. Amen? Amen. If you're not going to quit and you're not going to hang your heart up, number one is a requirement. What is it? Sing a song. Sing unto the Lord. Listen, give unto the Lord the glory due His name. The Bible says in Psalm 114, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I think it was C.H. Spurgeon that said, If we served a little God, He would deserve little praise. But we serve a great God, and He deserves great praise. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Can somebody just say amen right there before I bust a blood vessel? There's a requirement. Number two. I got to move on, boy. I got something good for you in a minute. All this other stuff is just pre is this precursor to what I really want to get to. Number one, if you're not going to hang your harp up, don't you be one of them people that say, you know what? I'm just going to stop playing my instrument. I'm going to stop singing. Have you not thought about what God's done for you? Think about what He's done in the past. And you know what? When you do that, Peter, here's what happens: you learn to sing when you shouldn't sing. See, anybody can sing when their bank account's running six digits. Anybody can sing when they've got everything going great. But let me ask you something. Well, are you going to sing when you're in the midnight hour like Paul and Silas in a jail cell in Philippi and there was no reason they had to sing but they shouted and they sang praises to God and the doors were opened up and their shackles fell off and you know what? The Philippian jailer said, I want what you got. I pray for you young people every day. God, raise up. Raise up another Dave Kissler. God, raise up another Larry Curtis. God, raise up another Spurgeon. This country needs you. I'll never forget when I went to Washington with Dave and a, a bunch of pastors. It never hit me until you, t- you said a statement. You said, I think it was Friday, uh, Saturday uh, morning. Those men on Capitol Hill are watching us. And do you know what? Whether they know it or not, they need us. Those men that are in positions to make decisions need us. You want to know why? It's because when they're making their decisions, we're on our face before God praying that He would give them wisdom. That's what we need. We need some men and women that will stand up and say, You know what? God requires me to praise Him. It ain't a suggestion. It's a command. David said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. It's a requirement. See, the difference between pride and praise is pride says, look what I've done. But praise says, look what God's done. There's a requirement. Number two, look at verse number, wherever you want to go. Verse five, yeah. Verse 5 says, I have for, If I forget the old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. You know what? Number one, if you're not going to hang your harp up, number one, there's a requirement, but number two, there's a remembrance. Remember what the Lord's done in your life. And if you don't, he said, God, if I, don't for, if I forget it or I don't remember it, I want you to help my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth and not say a word. Help my right hand to forget the instrument that I play if I won't praise you. There's a requirement, but there's a remembrance. You know what some of you in this room have done? You've forgotten. You've forgotten what God's favors like. Have you ever thought about that? When God saved our soul... It says it was by grace. It was God's favor. And you don't believe we're not blessed? Let me ask y'all questions. And don't take this the wrong way, ladies or men. But does it look like any of us in this room have missed many meals? Does it really look like if you look in the parking lot or the way we're dressed, if we're really that bad off? Hey, why don't y'all go with me to a listen, a Romanian gypsy village? outside of Suntugirigay where there's almost a thousand people and they got one working water source. You think you got it bad. And little kids are running around. They look, they, they smile like a, well, that the colloquialism won't even work here in England. But anyway, they're so happy, they don't know what to do. And they don't have anything. And all we do is we say, look what I don't have. Hey, stop complaining about what you don't, got and start praising God for what you do, got. Amen. I know that's bad English, but this is the way I put it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I is what I is. Amen? <laughs> he said there's a remembrance. Some of you have forgotten God's favor. Hey, by the way, some of you have forgotten God's freedom. You want to know why? It's because you're in bondage. And by the way, that ain't God's fault. That's your fault. If you're in bondage to any sin, it's not God's fault because he paid for it with his red royal blood. But here's what scares me is some of y'all haven't remembered what Jesus Christ did for you on Calvary. You want to know why I know that? Because so many people have unforgiveness in their heart. How in the world can you say, I can't forgive somebody if you don't look at Calvary? You take a hard, long look at Calvary, and you say you can't forgive somebody? You probably could say, I won't, but you can't never say, I can't. You've got to remember, listen, you've got to remember God's forgiveness. Oh, I love this thing. I love this verse. In Psalm 85, one of the greatest chapters on revival, will you not, God, revive us again that thy people may rejoice in a big love offering? (laughs) God, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in a large attendance? No, he says, God, would you not revive us again that your people may just rejoice in you? But right before that, you know what he says? Psalm 85, Jamie, verse 2, he says, I have forgiven all your iniquities. I have covered your sins. Selah. Selah. That's a Hebrew word for chew on that a minute, buddy. Just just gnaw on that for just a minute. Think about what God did for you. I don't know if y'all know this, but words do mean stuff. Like every one of them. The word forgive in the Hebrew language is the Hebrew word nasa, N-A-S-A. Now, I don't think they ever had an idea that this would fit, but it's just me and my technicolor imagination. But do you know that there is an organization in America called the National Aeronautic and Space Administration, N-A-S-A. You know what they do? They shoot rockets off into space. And you know what we say when the rockets go off, up, up, and... Do you know what the Hebrew word nasa means? To lift off and carry away. You can't make that up. You want to know why it's lifted off? Because you know, when they shoot that rocket into space, there is a force that's greater than the pull of the, of the, of the earth. do you know what? There is a force that's greater than the pull of sin in our life and what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. I have been forgiven. His red royal blood has taken every spot, every sin that I've ever committed and written across the page in in that book under my name the word F-R-O-G-I-V-E-N forgiven. And I don't ever want to forget that. So, if you're going to keep from hanging your harp up, by the way, there's some of you in this room right now that's on the verge of giving up. I don't care if you're here in body, where are you at in spirit? What does it take to make you quit? Number one, there's a requirement. Number two, there's a remembrance. Number three, I want you to look at verse number six. Verse number seven, excuse me. Verse number seven says, Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. You know what he says? There's a group of people that wants to utterly destroy us. And God, I want you to remember those people that say, Destroy it, destroy it in the day day of Jerusalem. I want you to remember them. I want you to remember what they're trying to do to us. Because God, we can't fight against them, and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We want you to fight our battles. And guys, let me say something. I want all of you to look at me. And if you're not going to hang your harp up, number one, there's a requirement. Number two, there's a remembrance. But number three, there has to be a resistance. There has to be resistance. Most of you that do any type of training knows that strength is produced from resistance. That's just the way it works. Strength and character are produced through resistance. You say, preacher, what do you mean? There's some things that, you know what, we need to fight for. And by the way, some of them that we're fighting about now in Christian circles are absolutely ludicrous and trivial. When people are dying and going to hell, we're sitting around worried about what kind of attire someone wears, what kind of song they sing. Let me tell you something. If it praises Jesus Christ, I don't care if a quartet of orangutans fall out of the air with parachutes on singing Amazing Grace. If it'll bring people to Christ, I'm all for it! What's wrong with us? You say, preacher, we're just too reserved. You're just a little out there. Man, I tell you what, I hope I never change. I don't want to ever change. If my Listen, if my wood gets wet, it ain't God's fault. It's my fault. I don't want my wood to get wet. I want to stay on fire for Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't ever lose it, guys. Girls, don't ever lose it. Because once you do, the discouragement will come. You'll hide in a cave like Elijah, or you'll be like those people in Israel who just hung their harp in a willow and said, I ain't playing no more. If this is the way God's going to treat me, hmm. Maybe he's trying to sift you. Maybe he's trying to sift you. There's a resistance. I want y'all to turn and, and I'm going to be done. I, I, what are we fighting against? Pastor Larry reads every single conference where this came from. Born out of Ephesians 6. What does it say? Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that so you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. My enemy ain't my sister-in-law. <laughs> I better tread lightly here. Whoo! Jesus never called a believer a devil, buddy. I think I could. Amen. I think I could call some people that I say trust Jesus probably, I'd call them a devil. Woo. Anyway, I'll move on. It's probably watching this on Skype or something, somebody's videotape. She's going, I'm gonna wear him out when I when he gets home. Amen. Hey, listen, there's a resistance, Peter. We've got to fight. I'm not talking about being belligerent and being combative. I'm talking about, folks, we need to stand up and fight. (laughs) Amen? There has to be resistance. To what? To the real enemy. To the real enemy. By the way, don't be deceived. Pride made a devil out of an angel. devil said, you know what? I'll ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High God. And God said, Nope. Ain't going to happen. Let me ask y'all a question. How can you resist? How can you resist something that you're taking part in? How can you resist running to occupied territory by the enemy? How do you resist that? Well... I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter number 3 very quickly. I want to show you a couple things and we're going to be done. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I want you to look at verse 14. It says, Continue thou in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them. Paul's writing this as his last will and testament to Timothy from a jail cell, and he says, Continue, Timothy. Keep on keeping on. Don't quit. Continue thou into things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by expression of God and is profitable. How much of this book do you know? This is a powerful book, folks. This ain't just a publication. Every page contains a person. His name is Jesus. Let me ask you a question How much of this book do you know? How much of him do you know about? How much of it? Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Isaiah 40, verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And Jesus said the same thing. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. 1787, a man by the name of Voltaire, a God-hater, He said, 50 years after I'm dead, there'll be no more Bibles. (laughs) Somebody hold your Bible up and get a little Baptist. Amen, just have a seizure. Amen, just do like this. A hundred years after he's dead, he said, there'll be no more Christians. If you're alive and breathing, standing upright and you love Jesus, say amen. Amen. Huh? There has to be a resistance. Let me give you a few things, guys. Don't ever abandon this book. That don't ever abandon the Word of God. Antonio, don't ever abandon the Word of God. Bruce, don't ever abandon the Word of God. You stick to this book. Don't abandon. Date. Listen, Paul said, Timothy, it was good enough for mama. It was good enough for grandma. It was good enough to keep you and save you. Stay in the book. Yeah. But he said, don't abandon the work. I don't have time to go there, but he said, don't abandon the war. Don't abandon the work. I remember Pastor Voss, last time I saw him before I headed over here to England, it was about, I guess, a few months, probably three or four months before he passed off this scene and was promoted, and, and, and he's sitting beside of Jesus today. But I remember one of the last statements he made to me, hey, listen, this guy, you talk about not abandoning the work. He preached from a hospital gurney to his people, having leukemia and three hematomas on his brain. You talk about a soldier for Christ. You know the last thing he said to me? He said, Brian, did you ever hear about a uh, mountain climber that died? I said, oh, Lord, here it goes. One of them stories. You know about Pastor Paul. Did you ever hear about the mountain climber the dot? I said, no, Pastor, what happened to him? He said he died climbing. He died climbing. You know what he was saying? I ain't going to quit. I'm going to die climbing. I'm not giving up. I'm going to resist some things in my life, and you know what it's going to do? It's going to produce character and strength in me, Ruth. It's going to make me a better person because of my resistance against it. It's amazing isn't it how we love things that destroy us and we hate things that develop us. I'm going to be honest with you. I used to I hate running. Amen. Hated it. I used to be one of them people go, "Y'all cray, cray." I ain't running. I got a car. Amen. I'm going to drive to Hardy's, I'm going to drive to McDonald's. I ain't running there. You know what? I'm one of them people now. After the fact that, you know what? I kind of like it. <laughs> you don't know why? It's because I stopped kicking against it and stopped resisting it. You know what God's trying to do? He's trying to, he's trying to pull him to you to Himself. And if you're just going to kick against it, He had a word for a guy named Paul. He said, Why? Why are you kicking against what I'm trying to do in your life? Learn to resist the right things. Learn to resist the right things. Number one, don't abandon the war. Number two, don't abandon the work. But number three, don't abandon the war. Don't abandon the word. Don't abandon the work. Don't abandon the war. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. See, there's some of you in this room right now, and you're ready to hang your harp up in a willow. And you know, you can sit around and you can play church and you can have everybody faked out. But the truth of the matter is, what's really going to make a difference is where are you at a year from now? Where are you at a year from now? Because there's a requirement, there's a remembrance, and there's a resistance. What are you kicking against? Because you know what? God didn't call us to a comfort zone. He called us to a combat zone. Amen. You know what a soldier does? A soldier endures hardness. That's what the Bible says. You know what a son does? A son obeys his father. Amen. You know what a servant does? A servant makes his master successful. And every one of those things I just said, you are. You're a son of God. You're a servant of God. You're a soldier of the cross. And you know what's an amazing thing, Dave? When I was in the Marine, when I was in boot camp, this is crazy. We went to boot camp. Went to Paris Island. We get in our squad bay. They've got all these chairs stacked up and lined on the walls. They're just—I mean—stacked five high, about 15 rows of them. And when we used to meet in the back of the squad bay and they would teach us a class, we'd have to sit on the ground. I'm like, guys, hello. We got perfectly good chairs here. We—I didn't say that because it'd get you real bad trouble. But anyway. Um, but I want to say, hey, hoo chairs back here. We can sit in them. You know what they did? They made us sit on the ground and listen to whatever they say for 90 minutes. Sometimes, Antonio, 90 minutes. We had to sit there, Indian style, with your legs crossed and your hands on your on your knees, just like this. Now I don't know. You girls can do that. Us guys, we don't have that muscle or that certain ligament in our body that makes us do that. Be agile enough to do it. I'm going to be honest with you. It hurts like the devil. <laughs> You know, I was like, oh, I'd get up. You know how your leg falls fall asleep and just get up, get up walk off it, and walk on it. You can't do that. Get your legs are asleep like... You know what I mean? You just let me do And it hit me two and a half months in the boot camp while we did that for, for two months. When we went to rifle range and qualified with an M16A2 from 300 yards, 500 yards... You want to know one of the positions we used to shoot in? The sitting position. And see, Pastor, what they were doing is they were getting us conditioned to where when we rested our elbows on our knees, and you could fire at a target that big from 300 yards and hit it. Couldn't have done that if we would had the first week we were at Paris Island. Amen? You know what God's doing? God's training you, and He's getting you ready and equipping you for something. But you know what you've got to do? You've got to have some resistance. You've got to learn to sing when it ain't time to sing. You've got to learn to remember what God's done in your life. And number three, you've got to resist the enemy, the real enemy. Some of y'all running from things. You're running to things. You're hiding behind a mask of spirituality. When why don't you just get real and tell the God that knows everything about you what He already knows? What are you fighting against? Have you already hung your harp up? How do you get it down? Well, start singing. How do you get it down? Start remembering. Just, just tell the Lord what He's already done in your life, and I promise you this, it'll make your day a whole lot better. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victories without fighting, but he said help would always come in time. So just remember when you stand in in the valley of decision and the adversary says, give in. Just Hold on, our Lord will show up and He will take you through the fire again. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I got a couple questions I want to ask you this morning. First of all, I want to ask you this. You're in this room and you'd say, Preacher, there's not a shadow of doubt in my mind. I know I'm born again. know I'm on my way to heaven. I could raise my hand right now. There's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that I'm saved on my way to heaven because I put my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ. And you could just raise it right now and just put your hand up. Once you put it up, you can put it down. You're in this building. You'd say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm concerned about my spiritual condition. I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure I would. And I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody that would be willing to let me pray for you. I'd be humbled to be able to pray for your soul. I won't point you out. I just won't pray for you. Anybody like that, just slip it up and put it back down. Preacher, I'm not sure I'm born again. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be, and I want you to pray for me. God bless you. I'll be praying. You come to me if you need it. You come to me after the service. I'll talk to you. Brother Dave will talk to you. Pastor Will, you're in this room, and you've about hanging your instrument up. You've about put your harp up and stopped playing. And I want to ask you this. A test of a man's character is what it takes to make him quit. I want to ask you a question. Are you going to quit? What's it going to take to hang your harp in the willow? Well, let me tell you something. In order not to do that, there's got to be a requirement. You've got to sing unto his name. Number two, there's a remembrance. You've got to remember what the Lord did for you. And number three, there's a resistance. We've got to fight against the attack of the enemy. Father, in Jesus' name, you say, Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. God has spoken to me about this area of hanging my harp up, and I want you to pray for me that I won't quit. As Miss Betsy begins to play, you'd say, Preacher, pray for me. Anybody like that? Anybody. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Can we do this? Can we stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed? I know it's probably not customary for most of you in this room probably to ever come down to an altar ever even acknowledge. But let me ask you a question. When are you ever going to let go of these things and you're going to say, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of quitting. I'm tired of going and being like a roller coaster in my spiritual life. I want there to be some consistency in my life. And the only way that's going to happen is if I remember, if I sing, and I resist. If you need to come this morning, I'd ask you to come. We're not going to labor this out. We're not going to be long. I know there's food upstairs, but this is the most important time. If you need to get some things reconciled with your God, why don't you come right now? Why don't you come? I'll pray with you. Somebody will pray with you. If you need to come, you come. Just as I am without one plea. But That thy blood was shed for me. And hast thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Lord, I've done my best to Give us some ammunition that we can press on and continue and not quit. I can't do any work. I can't do hard work, Lord. Only you can do that. Now, God, I'm thankful that when things ain't good, you still are. Please, Lord, meet with your people the remainder of this day and help us to remember what you've done for us. Help us to... You require of us a song, Lord. Help us to sing... Help us to sing to you, even when we don't feel like it. And God, help us to re- realize there's a real fight out there, and it's not between brothers and sisters in Christ or family members. It's with the enemy and our flesh. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do in this day.